Welcome to Planet Geo, the podcast where we talk about our amazing planet, how it works, and why it matters to you. All right, let's do some introductions real quick. You are Chris Bohois, a nationally recognized and award-winning earth science teacher in the great state of Michigan. I am Dr. Jesse Reimink, a geoscience professor at Penn State and your former student. About 15 or 20 years ago, who's really counting anyways, I remember sitting in your class learning the basics of geoscience from you. And this is Planet Geo, a podcast where you and I talk about some amazing aspects of our planet, how it works, and why the geosciences are really important to society. How you doing, Jesse? Hey, I'm doing all right, man. How about you? I am doing great. You bet. Yeah, excited to be here. Um, Me too. What's got you fired up this week, Chris? I am right now, I'm in the process of uh, getting ready to head off to the Black Hills. I leave uh, in just a few days. I'm going to the Black Hills for a couple of days to perform a wedding of a couple of my former students, uh, which is really interesting because we're going to, they want to do this on top of Little Devil's Tower, uh, which is in Custer State Park, and they want to do it at sunrise. So we're going to get up at, uh, we're going to begin hiking at 4 a.m. and get up to the top with about 30 people and get these two married off. So oh, that'll be uh, that'll be pretty cool. So you so you're a preacher now, is that right? Or what's the, what, <laughs> no, what kind of status quite, do you have? Quite. So it's pretty easy to get uh, certified to perform marriages. So yeah. <laughs> so oh, very yeah. cool. Well, I'm jealous you get to go to the Black yeah. Hills. That's one of my favorite spots. And then to go after visit. that, then then we head to the Jenny and I. My wife are gonna we're gonna head to the Tetons for uh, about two weeks and just kind of do some backpacking and a little bit of climbing and can't wait. Need to get in the mountains, fill my soul. Awesome. Yeah. So how about yeah, you? What's you got go. you fired up, yeah. Jess? Yeah, I'm, uh, we, we just got a grant funded or had a grant funded through the National Science Foundation. Uh, so I just got oh, that's that a big news deal. A, a week or two ago. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's a relatively small grant, but and it's working on some instrumentation that development that I've been doing the last couple of years. So I'm really excited to, to get started on it. Um, <laughs> but with the uh, COVID restrictions in place, we're waiting to see when we're allowed to get right. back into the labs and, and start working in the careful. labs. Um, yep. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a lead into what we're going to talk about today. Um, as we're recording this, we are, you know, kind of in the middle of, a, of a, the COVID or let's see, we, we don't know what the future will hold. <laughs> that's but for sure. We're past the tail end of, of, of the COVID lockdowns, but there might be more on the horizon where we're not really sure. Um, so it's a really uncertain time. You know, many, everybody's been affected in some way or another. I, I just consider myself lucky enough to be in a, a position in a job that has been able to continue working remotely. And I've been able to be, you know, fairly productive in it. Uh, how about you? How's COVID affected uh, you so far? It's certainly different. You know, I'm a high school teacher. Um, and so since March, uh, middle of the March, I, I've been I've been teaching from home. I've been doing online stuff. Uh, and, you know, I do my best. Um, I, try to, I try to make it still me and do my thing, but it's very difficult. I'm not a, I'm not a sit at a desk kind of teacher anyway. Um, I need to be up and moving. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you, you know, like you said, I am, I'm, I count myself extremely fortunate to, to be able to still do this though from home. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, you're not going to hear me complaining about my situation. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you know, there's been a, a fair bit of suffering right. silence, I think for me of, of, you know, yeah, it sucks, but there's a lot of other people who it sucks right. a lot more right. for. So, um, anyway, th this week we're, we really want to focus on a couple of, let's say silver linings, uh, from the geoscience perspective on this whole COVID lockdown. And I've learned a lot from, from investigating 
the things we're going to talk about today. And I, I don't know oh, if you've it's, done the You same. know, that's one of the, the things about this that I'm excited about doing these podcasts is that it forces me out of my comfort zone. This is certainly, I, I, as I was getting ready to, to talk to you about this, um, I learned a ton about things that I was maybe more ignorant on than, and, and so, you know, it's these, this benefits me a lot having this, uh, this, these discussions with you. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's super fun and, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff that, that happened during this lockdown. So I guess as a brief summary, you know, you're listening at home, if you're listening, you know, a couple of years from now or several months from now, we're in the middle of these lockdowns. Uh, economies are just starting to open up, but, but many, much of the developed world sort of went into this, this shutdown where people are, were staying at home, stay at home orders, um, businesses were shut down and affected and a lot of interesting things happen. We're going to kind of summarize two aspects of the geosciences that, from a, from a kind of a data detection point of view of what happened when everybody stayed mm -hmm. at home for a while, what happened to our planet when everybody stayed at home for a while. Um, and it, I think it's really interesting and there's some positive, some positive things and some, at the very least some information in, in this stuff for, for, um, determining how we just one thing forward. I'd like to add is, you know, during this whole lockdown, it's amazing how long a tank of gas lasted, isn't it? You know, I mean, you'd go, I, I, I <laughs> went right. over a month without filling up my, my gas tank, which is crazy. As I was getting ready for this, I, I just was, I, I Googled because I'd seen this before from like early April, just some photos before and after photos of areas. Um, like for instance, uh, you can see in, in early April, Mount Everest became visible from Kathmandu for the first time in decades because of lower particulates, lower levels of pollution in the atmosphere. And you could, yeah. Oh, is that right? So just the, the haziness kind of did declined enough where you could see Everest. Yeah. From, from unbelievable. And, and, you know, I'm sure some of you have seen the, like, for instance, Venice, uh, you know, how the, with, with less boat traffic yeah. in the canals and how now the water has cleared and you can see down to the bottom of these canals. It's absolutely amazing. So, yeah. And it's kind of, it's yeah. kind of interesting, right. To see how nature sort of takes, takes over right. the, the system. I remember seeing early on that when New York city lockdown, you see these pictures of coyotes running, <laughs> running through the streets and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, wildlife yep. kind of taken back over. Um, I saw the Venice photos on Twitter for the first time. Um, and, and I also was turned on to the first topic we're going to talk about, which is seismic noise, um, via some seismologists on Twitter who were, who were highlighting this kind of thing. So, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is seismic noise. The earth really quieted down because people weren't driving around. There weren't as many trains going, planes landing, um, big trucks rolling past, all this stuff. The earth really quieted down, which is really interesting. So let's start out. I mean, size, seismometers, what, what is a seismometer? All right. So this is a device that measures vibrations um, on the surface of the earth and traveling through the earth itself. It's amazing how sophisticated they are and how little the motion has to be in order for it to even pick this up. But that's what a seismometer is. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been using these. This is what, you know, we use to assess earthquakes and so on. People often think about what a seismometer is in relation to earthquakes. But in fact, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, seismometers that are detecting anthropogenic human background noise from, like you said, trucks and trains and, and cars and planes and things like this. Yeah. So I, I think, 
you know, the, the seismometers, they use, you can think of it basically as this, this pendulum suspended in the air where if the earth moves under it, I mean, they really used to be just a vertically hanging thread with like a pencil attached to it. And if the earth moved under that pencil, the pencil would draw a line on the chart, right? That was sort of the, the, the very, right. It was on a drum and the drum turned, uh, you know, from a, by a clock. And so it recorded exactly when the, the vibrations took place. And then of course, because of the, the amount that the, that the, device moved the pen would draw on that drum and show exactly how much the ground moved exactly so you can just imagine this this piece of paper that's sitting on the ground with a hanging pencil above it if you shift the ground beneath it it's going to scratch out a movement and the the amount of movement is right. recorded on that scale nowadays the 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 seismometers are, are much more precise and i was i'm just looking at the scale of the first article we're going to talk about um and i should mention we're going to link all these articles in yes. the uh, in yeah. the podcast description, so that you can yeah. go and look at them. But the scale here, we're looking at nanometers of ground displacement, is what they're recording, which, which is amazing. I mean, nano, nanometer is is a billionth <laughs> of a meter, um, and so this is a, a really yeah, tiny amount of of, of movement that they're reporting. So, Jesse, um, can you talk about then? You know how we would use seismographs for monitoring buildings and, and things along that line. Like, you know, you did your postdoc at Carnegie. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, that's right. Um, Carnegie is this research institute in wa- Northwest Washington, D.C. Um, and it was originally built kind of outside of the city to get away from the electric tram noise because they had these really sensitive uh, magnetic field detectors. Um, so it was built outside of the city, you know, in the 1930s, which now it's engulfed, the city has engulfed it. So it's kind of a noisy urban or suburban environment around there. But we still have at Carnegie, we, we still had um, really sensitive instruments. A lot of the mass spectrometers are sensitive to this nanometer scale ground movement. Um, so it's kind of a funny story. There was this sort of retirement home that was being renovated right next door to Carnegie. And uh, they they were doing a whole bunch of construction, building big new buildings. And so the the <laughs> the uh, architects, you know, had to get approval. They had to, you know, sign a contract and say, we won't, we will create less than some X amount of, of ground disturbance. So the Carnegie seismologists who are on staff, they placed these seismometers around the campus and were, you know, actively detecting the ground movement due to this construction site, which was, you know, a quarter mile away. And actually there was a couple times where they tripped, they went over the limit. So, you know, they went in and said, Hey, you went over <laughs> the contractual limit. You need to stop making that noise. That's right? awesome. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure the guy, you know, the boss of the construction site was like, Oh, for goodness sakes, these stupid scientists, right? Like they're just moving the ground a little bit. Are you freaking kidding me? What the hell's going <laughs> That's on? Right. Great. <laughs> Must've been extremely frustrating from his yeah. position, but you know, it disturbed the instruments. So anyways, it's kind of a funny story about how these size I read an article on M live. Um, about, you know, Michigan's football stadium and how they have, you know, they have these seismometers there and they can actually, they're sensitive enough to pick up when there's a touchdown scored in the big house. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that. That's awesome. There was, I think there, there was an article maybe last year about Penn State too, you know, some enterprising young grad student had gone and placed the seismometer, you know, <laughs> near the football stadium or something like that. And you, it's, it's impressive. You can watch during the game, you can see when touchdowns happen, you see when kickoff happened because everybody's making a lot of noise and stomping their feet or whatever. So they're incredibly sensitive yeah. instruments. Um, and I think this, this Michigan seismometer was one that was tracking the quieting so of the earth. At, I came across a, another article, and I, I can't remember what it is, Jesse, but um, the, 
my takeaway was was that the quieting from from COVID, although it lasted longer, is comparable to what we see um, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This. Oh, yeah. that's really interesting. Just because everybody's, everybody's at home and, and sort that's of right. hanging out with their family. That's, right. that's really so, interesting. All right, huh. Jesse, Very let's cool. transition then. Uh, how's this important? You know, why is this? Yeah, so uh, I guess, you know, the data, we're, we're looking at this graph. We'll link the, again, we'll link the article in the podcast description. But basically, you're looking at the seismic noise or basically the the vibration of these seismometers as a function of time. And at background, it's really interesting because you can see weekends in this data in this data chart. So this is a seismometer sitting, you know, at Michigan Stadium um, in Ann Arbor, and it's recording ground movement, just background ground movement. So it records earthquakes when they come in. Um, it records any th- movement, trucks passing by, stuff like that. And there's a little bit of background noise. And I'm looking at the chart right now, and and on a typical weekday, it's something like 50 or 60 <laughs> nanometers of of movement. And the weekend, it kind of drops down to something like 40, maybe. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You can see the weekends in there because people are driving around, presumably, right? Or walking around campus right. or something like that. Um, and then during COVID lockdowns, as soon as the lockdowns hit, you know, the, the weekday noise level dropped down to below 40 nanometers okay. of ground displacement. So it basically dropped by a third. And this That's amazing. We're kind of talking about bright spots. So how can something like that benefit these professionals you know what's the bright spot here yeah no exactly i think it, you know it means that these seismometers as you know they're really sensitive instruments but the background noise is kind of like static in a radio so if you have a, a lot of static coming through your radio you can't hear any noises any actual you know speaking or music or whatever is coming through your radio you can't hear that above the static if you lower the static you can start to hear softer and softer noises you can hear whispers if you lower the static um, so these seismic waves it's a shock wave basically and it gets deflected by different boundaries and different layers and it's extremely important for hydrocarbon industry for for checking looking underneath of sediments looking underneath the earth for where oil and gas yep. might be trapped where should we put these drills um, you know it costs many millions of dollars to drill a hole in the ground so having information about the subsurface is is really a seismic uh, a question so also helps inform you know where the ground is moving we talked about yellowstone and, and the volcano breathing in and out uh, a lot of that is recorded in yeah. very small earthquakes so we can see those much better if this that makes sense noise it's kind of like um if you're having a conversation but you want to eavesdrop on another conversation you shush the people around you so that you can hear what's exactly. going on that's a yeah. that's a perfect yeah. analogy that's yeah. a perfect analogy. Okay. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. But these are surface seismometers, right? These are seismometers sitting on the surface. So they're kind of perhaps more sensitive to trucks driving by yeah. um, than if they were deeper down. And we have those, bit. right? We have deeper board uh, seismometers that are, I guess, maybe immune to what's going on at the surface to a much greater extent. I think I'd have a hard, this is me, I'd have a hard time um, if that was my line of work, not being distracted and just want to put seismometers in certain areas and play around with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would totally be the, the person yeah, putting it in right. the football stadium or putting it, you know, outside yeah. and stomping around it, doing all that kind of stuff, you know. All right, Jesse. So that's that's really amazing about seismometers and so on and, and the bright spot with that. Uh, let's also let's touch on the air pollution reduction caused by the covid uh, stay at home orders and lockdowns, um, you know, particularly carbon dioxide. Right. 
Yeah, I think there's a couple interesting studies that that we kind of explored here, uh, and again we'll link them in the in the notes. But one was on CO2 reduction, and another one we sort of highlighted the air, other air pollution reduction. And I think there's a couple really interesting aspects to this. I'm no expert on. Uh, I don't study climate change. Um, I'm no expert on it. So this was very much. I agree. As I was reading through these articles, um, it it caused me then to look for other articles to explain things that I didn't quite understand in the original articles that we read to get ready for this podcast. Uh, That's right. Oh yeah, there's, there's a lot I, I didn't understand. I mean, I, I, it took it took a little you know, while to I, learn. I, about I just want to quick. Sure mention it. Well, you know, I already kind of alluded to it when I said that you can see Everest from from Kathmandu for the first time in decades and that's smog and particulate matter in the in the atmosphere and it, one of the things that I I came across is that you know, we're seeing a reduction in nitrogen oxides. And and at first I I was confused by that. I I had to think about nitrogen oxides. Well, why is that a byproduct of of uh, driving your car? So I had to you know that's one of the things yeah. I looked into then is is how the well during combustion um, you have oxygen and nitrogen that are present because those are the two most abundant gases in the atmosphere, and and how at high temperatures it, it, there's a chemical reaction that creates these nitrogen oxide compounds. And, and so, and that's a greenhouse gas. Those are, they're greenhouse gases. And they also are very closely associated with particulate matters, which in in other words, smog, right? And so we've seen a reduction actually in these nitrogen oxide compounds due to COVID, due to the lockdowns and less travel, but we've seen an increase in the rise in ozone. That's unbelievable. And that's because, you know, so I had to look into the, why, why is that? Well, yeah. That doesn't seem to make sense, right? I mean, ozone is, uh, again, uh, something we're putting into the atmosphere and we're trying to reduce the, the, the or we're trying to keep the ozone layer intact and all this kind of stuff. So, so yeah. why is that happening? Why, why this? Well, so this we're talking, it's a good point. We're talking about ozone in the lower atmosphere. It's called the troposphere. And we don't want that. We want ozone in the next layer up in the atmosphere, 20 to 50 miles up in, the, in a layer called the stratosphere. That's good ozone. We don't want it down here. It's, it's, a, it's an irritant. It's a greenhouse right. gas. Okay. Um, it, it, it affects people that have respiratory issues greater and so on. So we, we don't want this ozone. Sure. But these nitrogen and compounds in the presence of sunlight and higher temperatures, so warmer days, uh, it breaks down the ozone. And, and so with less nitrogen compound, nitrogen oxide compounds, there's been an increase then in ozone. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So these unintended consequences of actually decreasing a pollutant another uh, increases pollutant. another yeah. pollutant. Yeah. Um, that, it is. That's really interesting. I think, so we're, we're talking about a Science Daily article here that referred to two papers in the journal geophysical research letters that, that just came out during COVID that are talking about this air quality response in highlighting, um, can you talk a little China. bit about then some of the numbers? Um, cause I think the article you're referring to deals primarily with carbon dioxide emissions. Yeah, that's right. So, so we, we also were turned on to a, a paper by Lacardal in, in uh, Nature Climate Change that just came out. And again, we'll link this in the podcast description. But this is really looking at global CO2 emissions uh, during the COVID confinement or during the COVID lockdowns. So they came up with a way to, to kind of track global CO2 emissions, which is a complicated <laughs> thing is. in and of itself. Um, and not, not something we're particularly good at, although we know it's rising right. 
pretty substantially year to year on a year by year basis. Um, so they're looking at daily CO2 emissions. So comparing, you know, how much CO2 is emitted per day, comparing it to the same time last year. And basically what they're seeing is that we globally on average, the CO2 emissions drop by like 17% or 20% per day during the lockdown. So everybody stay home, <laughs> nobody drive around, nobody go to work, everybody just stay in your house, drop yeah. by 17%, which I guess doesn't, it kind of struck me as, as less I was going to say the exact out. same thing. Um, because I think about how long a tank of gas lasted me and everybody else had to be in the same boat, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I, I was using, right. I was emitting a lot less just from transportation, but maybe that's the thing too, right? You get a lot yeah. of carbon dioxide emissions. We used more electricity, I would assume, right? Because we're staying at home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they broke this down in the paper, CO2 emissions uh, by industry, by sector, and and power production kind of stayed basically the same. It increased in some areas. Um, and what also increased is residential mm -hmm. CO2 emissions. So people were just staying home, burning more electricity, you know, running AC, running the power, heat, whatever. That sector is was sort of emitted more CO2 during the lockdowns, right. kind of as you'd expect. What really decreased is the surface transport, driving your cars around, and actually right. airplanes. So airplanes flying around, that dropped dramatically. Uh, so that really was driving. Yeah, it dropped decrease. by about 17%, but it's important to note, I think, that that's, that is through early April. Okay, that's in really in the height of the that's lockdown. Right. So they also went on then, and now they can't predict the future really, but you know that everything is starting to open back up and we don't know what's going to happen. You know, nobody knows this, but um, they're on the low end, they think that this COVID shutdown will result over the course of the year 2020, maybe a 4% uh, decrease in carbon dioxide emissions and on the high end up to maybe 7% decrease in carbon dioxide emissions. Okay. So yeah, so let, let's let's break that number down a bit. I mean, the seventeen percent number is a daily reduction. So every day, seventeen percent decrease over the right. you know the same day last year. But if you so if you did that every day for the whole year, you'd have a seventeen percent decrease for the year. But what they're what were the uncertainty comes in predicting that into the future. If COVID lockdowns stay in place, if they're restrict, if they're released, if people start moving around, then you're going to see a return back to daily CO two emissions that are right. kind of higher. Um, which means that the for the year you're not getting that seventeen. That's really difference. interesting, and, and a four to seven percent drop. Okay, that puts us back to the levels that we were emitting in two thousand six. So that's amazing, oh, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so that it's amazing. Yeah, we're we're winding back the clock. Uh, but 10 but years to me, I look like at that, that and I say, wait, a, that means that we've had a lot of increased carbon dioxide emissions in the last fourteen years. Then, if this lockdown puts yeah. us back yeah. to two thousand six levels, um, yeah, I mean, two thousand six. You know, we both remember two thousand six, and, and I mean, you were what eighty <laughs> in two thousand six yeah, or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting and also put it in the context of, of sort of global climate change and, and, and how, what the, the, the sort of recommendations are is that, you know, we're looking at the recommendations vary, but we're looking at something like six to 7% decrease every year going forward is, is what we need to sort of stem things like, um, ocean rise, sea level rise and things like that. And so this four to 7% decrease 
due to a month or two of COVID lockdowns is basically we need to implement the high end of that globally right. going forward. <laughs> so we either need to lock down our economies for a month or Which two every nobody year. nobody is advocating. Or figure out a more... A, <laughs> No, absolutely yeah. not. Right. Absolutely not. Um, or we need to provide some structural changes to the energy sector, you know, provide power with these other means, these, these more uh, sort of CO2 friendly means, which either way you look at it, it's an yeah, interesting statistic and it hopefully will help guide how you know, we this is kind forward. of like an unintended experiment, right? What we're going through with COVID and, but yeah. it provides us though, with a glimpse into the possibilities of emission regulations. Um, that's, I think yeah, what you're talking absolutely. about. And so let's, uh, yeah, let's put this kind of on a personal level, Chris, what, what do you take home, you know, for your daily life from either the CO2 thing, seismometer thing, what, what are you going to think about more as you walk around the world, uh, after reading uh, these articles? This definitely puts me on the spot, but I think my first takeaway is that I have, I've got more to learn and I'm excited about that. I always love that. Um, and I was just, I was also just uh, excited about, um, or interested, I guess is maybe a better way of saying it, that, um, this two month, you know, lockdown resulted in um, a reduction in emissions that can have a real impact if it's sustained. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, you know, four to 7%, I, I guess, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how difficult that is to, to get to. I mean, obviously then you start thinking about, all right, how, how can that happen? Would we have growing populations and so on? How do you get to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 7%, but then you start talking about, you know, um, renewable forms of energy and, and supplementing our use of fossil fuels with that. And maybe we can get there that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What's your takeaway? Like you, I did kind of a deep dive, except I took a deep dive into the seismometer uh, aspect of this and sort of the earth quieting down. But I really did a, a close look at, you know, all the information we gather from these really sensitive seismometers and how important it is for hydrocarbon studies and hydrocarbon extraction and understanding the defense department uses these seismometers to, to detect nuclear testing yeah. around the world um, and using these really sensitive things. Um, it, it's super interesting. I thought that was a really, really good take home conclusion, but I agree with you completely that the understanding of the emissions reductions and how power is generated, how CO2 is produced in our, in our, um, culture, in our society. That's something I, I think was, is really a, a good take. I want to just add one other thing, just a kind of a personal thought and an observation on my part. You know, when you hike up to the top of Blacktail Butte, uh, overlooking the Grand Tetons, um, Every morning now, there is a what layer. What a stunning view! First of all, that is like one of the most powerful things. Thinking about the T, I mean, we got we got to talk about the Tetons at some point. Unbelievable, most spectacular mountain range. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted okay. you. Um, just that uh, every morning there is a you can see smog in the valley. Um, oh, really? and it wasn't there 15 years ago, but it is now, and it's there all the time. And it, it, you know, it lifts during the course of the day, but it's there every morning. That bothers me every time I see it. And so this is something that I feel strongly about um, because I, I don't like it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like yeah, it. absolutely, so. absolutely. And, you know, although I think it's really interesting the the unpredictability of the future, you know, we can't really predict it, but I think we have, we have some understanding of how we can at least try and do better. Right, right, um, right on. So anyways, I, so those are those are kind of the my take-home point from a personal perspective. And I think, um, 
you know, mainly I thought that in this really stressful time, there's some interesting aspects to what happened. And there's some interesting geoscience implications for the whole world being locked down basically for a little bit. It, uh, it was really interesting. I thought it in some positive things. Yep, it. So, I agree. I, I enjoyed it. That's it for this week. Um, as usual, if you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a subscribe, a like, maybe a review even, uh, and pass us along to anybody you think might enjoy the geosciences and learning a little bit more. Uh, we are at Planet Geocast on all the social medias. And if you feel like sending us an email, we are planetgeocast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>